This is Ahmed Sharif and welcome to The Lead. Today, we will listen to what happens in a COVID command center. I recently had been to a COVID command center at Bermanali where I met a volunteer and a doctor and a team that coordinates the hospitalization among other things. When I spoke to the doctor about operational challenges, he said that people don't often give correct addresses and contact details and when they are tested positive, the team has difficulty in reaching out to them. Listen into the conversation I had with him and the volunteer. We tell them, look, you're 65, hypertensive, heart disease, mm -hmm. you have to go to ACCC. Mm -hmm. They said, no, no, I'm feeling fine, I'll stay at home. Mm -hmm. Why should I go? Mm -hmm. This is another operation. People get into your hospital directly on their own. Mm -hmm. And then they come to know that if they get in under SAST, the mm -hmm. rates they'll have to pay will be borne by the government. Mm -hmm. And then they call us up, saying, now can you come out to SAST? Okay. That is very difficult. Because they already have been registered as private patients in the hospital. The hospitals are unwilling to change. Mm -hmm. We have had quite a few patients that we actually know. People have spent hours together sitting in the hospital, talking to the hospital management and mm -hmm. telling them, look, they came because they didn't know hmm. and they were anxious to get it. Mm -hmm. They can't afford it. But this is happening every now and then. Okay. People get in, they find their expenses amounting, mm -hmm. and they call us and say, can you come with this mm -hmm. too? Mm -hmm. The next thing, which again has happened occasionally, fortunately it's not very common, is because our numbers are everywhere. Yeah. And our visibility is high. Hmm. They call us for chest pain, for breathlessness, for sugar, for whatever. Mm -hmm. And then ask us to help. Mm -hmm. Here again, what we do is guide them to 108 mm -hmm. and tell them to contact the department helpline mm -hmm. or 108 mm -hmm. and they'll attend to you. Mm -hmm. We have kept a few ambulances for very critical patients who can't wait for 108. Mm -hmm. But that's an exception. Okay. Most of these people want routine care delivered at home hmm. or routine transfers done at home. Exactly. Huh? We guide them, we tell them, they take it well. Hmm. Must be said to the clinic and we explain that we can only handle it too mm -hmm. fast, mm -hmm. not otherwise. And this is only for COVID and not for all health emergencies. Mm -hmm. That works well. These are some of the operational problems that we have. And then further downstream, once the hospitals discharge a patient, mm -hmm. or even at the time of admitting a patient, mm -hmm. they don't update this on the database, the status of the database. Oh, okay. okay. So now let us say, bed number 20 in one hospital mm -hmm. has been booked for a patient of ours. Mm -hmm. If the patient gets in, mm -hmm. if they update that bed as admitted, mm -hmm. it goes out of our system. So we don't allot the same bed to another person. Mm -hmm. When they don't update it, here it still appears as vacant. Okay, okay, yeah. So we do a double booking and when the patient reaches there, the earlier patient has already got admitted. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So the hospitals aren't updating. Mm -hmm. on Similarly, at the time of discharge, the patient is admitted on bed number 20. Mm -hmm. Let's discharge at 4 o'clock today. Mm -hmm. And the hospital updates it even by 5 or 6. Mm -hmm. It's still okay for us because then that bed appears as vacant. When it appears as occupied, mm -hmm. we have so many beds short. Mm -hmm. And sometimes patients themselves find out from the hospital that they have a bed available. Say, what is this? You're telling us you're misguiding us. Okay, uh, there, there's a delay there. Yes, yeah. there's a delay there. And 
we are bound to the system we work. We can't go out of our absence of it to either allot beds or discharge patients. This is all happening at the hospital. We've also had a few instances where there have been billing disputes. The usual thing where the hospital says, no, this is out of the package. And then the patient says, no, we were told everything is free. When that happens again, our post-hospital management team engages with the hospital, uh, finds out from them what it is. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, we've been able to get the hospitals to rationalize the bill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One or two occasions, the hospitals have found support from some donors or somebody to take yeah. care of the patients. But dispute redress is happening. Mm. Uh, it takes hours sometimes because the hospitals actually Naturally, the yeah. flow is low and they'd like to make uh, no, uh, make sure that whatever is due to them comes in. Mm -hmm. But we are able to talk to them. Mm -hmm. We have a team dedicated to them. We are able to talk to them. Mm -hmm. and we can talk. Okay. Then we've had a famous case in the paper where yeah. somebody hijacked the whole system and we were not involved at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, fortunately, that's only one. Mm -hmm. Then we've had the occasional patient who's died at home mm -hmm. or got admitted to a hospital outside our system, died in the hospital, came COVID positive. Mm -hmm. And then what? Yeah, that, so how do you account for that? that how is do you account for that? Uh, how do you account for that? And how do you attend to the last rites? Yeah, yeah. So there again, our post-hospital management team, mm -hmm. they talk, find out what it is. Uh, we have a quick response team which goes immediately to ascertain details. Mm -hmm. One or two occasions, the police have helped us. Mm -hmm. They come on the scene. In fact, yesterday we had a person who died at home, was positive, mm -hmm. died at home, we don't know how. They just said, patient has died. Mm -hmm. no, we had absolutely no idea what the clinical condition was and so on. Mm -hmm. So we told them, unless you're forthcoming, the uh, lady's son, was in touch with us. He's a 18 year old boy. Mm -hmm. He was in the mid 40s. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in touch with us and he said, No, my mummy just stopped eating a few days. She said she doesn't want to eat anything and she's dead. Mm -hmm. Now, here we are bound by the mm -hmm. law states that any unexplained death mm -hmm. has to be referred to the police. Yeah. So we immediately informed the jurisdictional police station. Mm -hmm and sent our QRT quick response team also mm -hmm. so that in case there is a gap they are there to make sure that yeah. nothing untoward happens. Yes. By the time our team reached there, the police had reached and taken over. Mm -hmm. And so this was his also now the matter is back to the police. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the operational challenges. Mm -hmm. We have solutions for many. Mm -hmm. For some, the solutions are delayed. Mm -hmm. For some, the solutions are at hand and yeah. we work these out. But the thing about operations is that it's a daily challenge. So it's that a daily challenge. It's very dynamic. It's not the same challenge every day. Mm -hmm. If it's a recurring challenge, we can evolve methods for dealing with it which are uniform throughout mm -hmm. all teams and all times. Mm -hmm. Different places, different. Uh, Bangalore, for example, we've got some three Kyatsandras, we've got some four Husserlis. <laughs> so, when they mark an index, yeah. because there could be a Hungasandra here mm. and a Hungasandra somewhere near Pinya, yeah. they have heard of this and they mark it as our zone. Mm -hmm. And then when we try and locate the patient and ask them, we find the person is somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So we have to change the zone and mm -hmm. get the zone.
And yeah, other thing, of course, I told you, if some brother or relative or somebody who's called us gives his phone number, yeah. when we call back, that person doesn't answer the phone. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because uh, I mean, he either can't recognize a number or whatever. Yeah. They've managed to get to people. Uh, I can say justifiably, though difficult, mm -hmm. we've not lost out on any patient. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They've all been tracked, okay? Where we cannot, we've handed over to the police mm -hmm. for them to track the patients and mm -hmm. get That's, their answers. Yeah. Find the patients. If they find the patients, the patients belong to us, then the whole cycle starts. Starts again. They yes. say, okay, this is the location, this is the house, this is the person. Mm -hmm. Comes here, comes to inbound, and then we take a decision. The outbound tells them what to do. Mm -hmm. If it's hospitalization, the ambulance goes and moves it. Exactly. Yeah. The thing is that, see, when you're talking about operations, right, you have you don't have like for every person, there's another person attending there. So you do have a staff challenge here. Like the number of staff, like you, you have a very limited number of people. No, so actually, you huh. know, the uh, turnover is pretty good, huh. except for the evening shift and sometimes the night shift because the volume is very high. Yeah. We've recently augmented staff. Mm -hmm. We've added another 40% or so to these teams. Okay. Uh, so that, you know, we can give them additional terminals. Basically what happens is most of the labs, yeah. uh, we send the samples in the evening or mm -hmm. later in the night. They mm -hmm. start testing in the morning. Uh -huh. By around 3, 3.30 they finish all the testing and they upload all the results in bulk at around four, between 4 to 8. Okay. So we get about 60% of the cases in the day between 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock. It is a stress okay. on both uh, our teams and on the hospital teams also because by 8 if I get data then I send people it will be 10, 10, 30. Mm -hmm. So by between around 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. hospitals mm -hmm. are, they have the busiest period because once the patient comes in they need to take him to the ER, do the basic tests mm -hmm. and then admit him to the appropriate bed, a lot of bed and then you know registration the entire process. Mm -hmm. It goes on till late in the midnight till 1 or 2 o'clock. Okay. So this, uh, this is one of the bottlenecks that is there. Uh, we also have, in principle, we don't call people after 10 o'clock mm -hmm. because they don't like to be called unless it is an emergency. Because our experience is you call them, they say call us in the morning for the phone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or don't pick the phone up at all. Yeah. But then our reports have reached here after 8 o'clock yeah. and then when we call them. Even that we have managed to get over mm -hmm. to a large extent by making sure that we push things through quickly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gets carried over to the next morning. And it's not as if this traffic is constant, so we can't mm -hmm. keep on adding people and saying, okay, we'll have 12, 14, 16. Mm -hmm. The more people we have, if they're sitting idle, then the process slows down again. Yeah. There's an optimum for the speed at which things mm -hmm. uh, We are okay, we've added another 40%. Now we are introducing this index 2, which is a different software, mm -hmm. where some of this work is taken care of by a central team. Okay, okay. Huh. Right? So we are expecting that some of this workload will come out mm -hmm. and come down. We will be, they will actually now identify for us the priority cases. Essentially okay. the triaging happens in a centralized system where mm -hmm. they call up, mm -hmm. assess the patient and locate the patient whether this patient has to go to hospital, CCC or home assessment. Okay. there's a priority. So wherever there is a priority, we will now start picking up those priorities, mm -hmm. dealing with them, then moving down the ladder less important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, we expect that after about a week or 10 days for people to get adjusted to this, we will be able to get more sick patients very quickly to hospital. Okay. We won't have to call them up, ask them and then I'll call my son, I'll tell you where all these people are on the line all the time. Yeah. 
that's all done there. So when mm -hmm. it comes here, you know, all we have to do is go pick up the person to remain in Okay. See, also the second thing that I feel is, you know, all these days until even now, our mm -hmm. approach is top down where we call patients, we tell them they need to go to hospital. We in fact mm -hmm. go down to convincing them, sometimes use police to force them. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand that, you know, COVID being a new disease, there is kind of a phobia and then, you know, all mm -hmm. these things. But I feel now that we have crossed almost six months into this, mm -hmm. uh, we expect people to get in touch with us for yeah. the services they need. Yeah, right? Because exactly. we, we can't sustain this top-down approach for long. Mm -hmm. See, I send an SMS from here saying oh, you are given for test, it has come back positive, please call my helpline and I will be able to shift you. Mm -hmm. We expect that kind of a cooperation from people also because yeah. we have crossed a good amount of time where you know this has kind of become a normal. In every street there has been one or two COVID cases. It's not a situation in uh, April or May where you know mm -hmm. if one positive case is there the entire uh, ward is uh, called and, thing, off yeah. and then yeah. you know all these things. We have crossed good amount of time and it's become the new normal. So yeah. in the new normal, we also expect that kind of cooperation from people. Mm -hmm. Because we have established that we are there to care for them. I, I do understand there have been some errors, some lacunas earlier. Mm -hmm. But now most of the things are fixed. Yeah. So since most of the things are fixed, we have, in our zone, we have 98 ambulances on standby. Mm -hmm. We have put out the ambulance link online. Mm -hmm. From 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. in the night. We will have at least three ambulances in each ward yeah. station. Anybody can log in and see at any point in mm -hmm. time. And then we have SAST through which we are booking hundreds of beds every day. Mm -hmm. Thousands of crores have been spent on treatment of people at free of cost. When when most of the systems are streamlined and you know people are not experiencing any issues now, mm -hmm. we expect that kind of cooperation from people also. Yeah. Yeah. This pushing in and you know shoving from the top will not work for uh, very yeah. long as what I see. Exactly. Surprisingly, people are more forthcoming when they go for testing. Yeah. They go, all go and line up. Yeah. Because the testing is done free at their doorstep or in the neighborhood. Mm. After that, is when you get positive or yeah, yeah that's yeah. when they, 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 the they get the message. Yeah. yeah. They follow that. Mm. It reduces our workload. Yeah. And we're also sure we can get all the details about the location and so on. Mm -hmm. If they don't call us up, then we have to work through the system. And See, check. More, more than that, what happens is uh, one is workload, right? Second mm -hmm. thing is we. I get a list of 100 positive cases, I don't know who in this 100 has an emergency. Yeah, yeah. So if people call us up and tell it's an emergency. I can and you have to decide that yeah. within that period of 8 to 4. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, no, 8 to 4, you know, sometimes the decision is within 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, so okay. there have been cases where, you know, the person we have reached there, his saturation has dropped to 75, 80. Mm -hmm. We immediately put him onto the ambulance and give him oxygen and then it, the saturation comes back. Mm -hmm. Left for another half an hour or an hour, mm -hmm. the person would, would, we would have lost that person. Yeah. So instead, if people approach us, see we have a helpline that we have published widely everywhere. Triple eight four double six double six seven zero. we have put wall posters, everything across Bombay. Anybody, even a suspect forward, if he calls us, we will immediately respond. We are we are here to respond. We have established a system. Mm -hmm. We need that cooperation. Mm -hmm. That's that's one big thing that we are lacking right now. Yeah. The volunteer went on to explain to me how each case is handled, and how they categorize the cases and about the centralized bed booking system and testing goals and statistics. Talking about the goals, this is what he had to say. See, our goal right now uh, is, you know, we don't want to be have an elusive goal which we cannot achieve saying we will get the COVID numbers to zero. Mm -hmm. That is not possible right now and it's not in our mind. Mm -hmm. But certainly we can achieve zero deaths that could have been avoided. Yeah. 
So three-pronged approach that we have is test early. Mm-hmm. Because unless and until people come forward and test at the first sign of symptom, mm-hmm. we won't be able to attend to them. So mm-hmm. generally the infection cycle that we have observed is day zero person gets infected. Mm-hmm. Day three or two or three he starts showing up symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. They wait for another five, six days, pop a dolo and then try to manage with them. Mm-hmm. By the time they come for testing, it's already day six or seven, mm-hmm. where the symptoms have shot up to a level which mm-hmm. is very bad. Yeah. They're going critical. Yeah. Then it takes 24 to 36 hours for the test reports to come. Mm-hmm. If they are symptomatic, then we do a rat test, mm-hmm. immediately get the result. If rat is negative, then we'll have to, we go for a TrueNet test that mm-hmm. we have in two of our PHCs, where we get the result within two hours. Mm-hmm. If not, then we'll have to go for an RT-PCR. Mm-hmm. So by the time the patient goes to the hospital, it's already seventh or eighth day, mm-hmm. wherein the infection has spread very badly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, it's gone to a point of no return. Mm-hmm. Then we put the person in the hospital and this is the reason uh, why most of the ICU ventilator beds are occupied in Bangalore. Because the, they wait till the end. They wait till the end where you know they feel they can't manage anymore and then go for tests. Mm-hmm. At that point things, uh, things have gone bad already. Mm-hmm. And then we put them into ventilator and then once person goes on to ventilator, mm-hmm. uh, it's a different ball game altogether. Yeah. So to avoid that, the first and most important thing is to test early. Mm-hmm. Never ignore the test. Yeah. Second thing is people with comorbidities, those who are undergoing dialysis, those who have recently had a surgery, those who have severe heart conditions, mm-hmm. they need to keep getting tested randomly every mm-hmm. now and then mm-hmm. because their condition can worsen even in two or three days. Yeah. Yeah. So those with serious illnesses and comorbid conditions, mm-hmm. it is better they stay at home mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And second is they let them get tested randomly even at the first sign of symptoms or even if they feel tired or mm-hmm. though they may feel it's normal. Mm-hmm. So recently we had a lady who used to undergo dialysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had fever. She thought, you know, it's a regular fever cycle that uh, people who are with dialysis yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it was it sustained for almost a week and then they approached us. Mm-hmm. We did the rat test, rat turned positive, we put the person in hospital, by the time the saturation was already 40%, mm-hmm. oxygen saturation. Doctors tried everything, remdesivir, dexona, plasma treatment, everything that's possible was tried. Mm-hmm. Still we could not save the person. Mm-hmm. So if had the person come to us on day one or two when the symptoms started, mm-hmm. we could have actually saved Save them. So this early testing is most important. Mm-hmm. Second thing is testing of comorbid patients. Mm-hmm. Third thing that we want to do is testing in uh, highly clustered areas like slums, factories, or you know areas with dense population. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, we find uh, uh, you know uh, areas with dense population. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of misinformation that is spread saying don't get tested. Yeah. If you get tested, you will be taken somewhere. You won't be given food, and you know all these misinformation is spread very exactly. badly. Exactly. Yeah. So we have tied up with Azim Premji Foundation mm-hmm. in areas of Mangalore Palya in different places mm-hmm. where population density is high. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have put up something called as fever boots mm-hmm. since we found that you know people had a lot of reluctance uh, towards testing. Mm-hmm. So we put up fever boots. We employed local youth there, mm-hmm. male and female both. Mm-hmm. The local people sit in their fever boots. We have trained them. Mm-hmm. They do a general fever checkup. So mm-hmm. All they do is a fever checkup and a pulse oximeter checkup, mm-hmm. and then create some awareness saying, uh, please wear a mask and mm-hmm. 
so by doing this we are you know trying to kind of change their mind to come forward and get tested at the first sign of something because what happens is at these places though the young guys might not get very badly affected even if they are infected the people who are at home the aged people uh, you know these are the people who will be very badly affected since their uh, reach to medical care is also less uh, they will deteriorate very fast and they'll go to a point of no return and yeah in a few hours yeah. also yeah exactly so these three things that we are doing one is test early uh, is a awareness campaign that we are doing mm-hmm. second is we are recommending all the comorbids and senior mm-hmm. citizens and those people who are susceptible to get tested mm-hmm. third is reach out to people in the highly dense densely yeah. populated areas yeah. if these three happen then once we test early then we can start the treatment early and we can make sure that people don't uh, die because of covid that's yeah. our goal right yeah. 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 but has now since everything is opened up contact tracing or what about that like is it it is a bit of a challenge yeah see uh, if there are workplaces we know mm-hmm. employees colleagues who are on that shift mm-hmm. would be the contacts mm-hmm. now if i am positive mm-hmm. i've gone to the market i've gone somewhere else i've met a couple of my friends and come back mm-hmm. i might be able to tell you who my friends were mm-hmm. who i met but who the others i met in the marketplace which shops i went to yeah. so that is a real challenge now uh-huh. uh, so even at the government level they are veering around to the view that let's not chase contact tracing uh-huh. because that's futile uh-huh. we will increase awareness and uh-huh. encourage people to self report uh-huh. uh-huh. so the key is more testing basically yeah, so to increase the testing we have put out a new testing uh, strategy here huh. uh, so basically we have divided it into five parts one is the primary secondary contacts testing so mm-hmm. essentially the primary secondary contacts right now are the family members of those who turn positive mm-hmm. so we go to their houses we have uh, mobile uh, vehicles mm-hmm. mobile testing vehicles we mm-hmm. go to their houses and we test mm-hmm. second is uh, testing in marketplaces street vendors uh, uh, garbage collectors mm-hmm. nandini groups mm-hmm. all these places where the People chances of spreading is very high. high yeah so we want to test all those people who are there mm-hmm. so for that uh, we have put uh, junior health inspectors and marshals as in charge mm-hmm. third is we do we conduct uh, testing camps in factories slums and highly densely populated areas mm-hmm. so that is a separate team that we have put mm-hmm. fourth is an on call testing that we have started in bombay so we have a facility where a person can call any time of the day 24 hours a day mm-hmm. if he calls our helpline mm-hmm. we will do a test within the next 2 hours okay if it's an emergency case we reach within 30 minutes. and says what we have been following okay. so we launched it about uh, two weeks back we have got a very good traction on that mm-hmm. so we want to increase that part yeah so on call testing where a person feels symptomatic or if he is a primary contact or if he has any kind of comorbidities he can call us and we'll go and test them mm-hmm. and the last is the phc where anybody can walk in between walk in. 10 to 4 yeah. when the phc is open and get mm-hmm. themselves tested mm-hmm. so to increase the testing and also to encourage more people to get tested mm-hmm. we are we are giving both options where people can themselves come forward and get tested or we will go to places where people are there and test tested yeah okay. So what was that like? Oh, uh, that's when an ambulance or uh, GPS gets disconnected, basically. Oh, uh, okay. See, the GPS is located in such a way that if a driver wants to play mischief and disconnect it so that we can't locate him, mm-hmm. we get an alarm immediately that at a certain moment the GPS is disconnected. Mm-hmm. So immediately you contact the driver and yeah. say that was. Yeah. Sometimes it happens because his bike went cleaning or something; it moves. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we know here immediately. Okay, that's good. Yeah. 
We then moved into the area where calls were being handled. The room was noisy and everybody were on the phone. Each person was attending to a call. The doctor comes up to me and he talks about a developing case. We just had one uh, problem. Somebody is admitted mm -hmm. in a hospital. They want to shift to another hospital. So an ICU bed. Mm -hmm. There is no bed in the hospital they are in. This is handled by 108. Mm -hmm. strict instructions from the commissioner saying that inter-hospital transfers will only be handled by 108. Mm -hmm. Patient refuses. This is not my job. Oh. So, see, I mean, we don't let them go. Uh -huh. We try it, RN and escalate. But this is a sort of challenge. Leaving the room, we find a relatively quieter space and began the conversation. Listen in. If I may ask, like, what uh, the challenging case that you guys have faced, like, any any one particular incident that you would like to highlight? I mean, one case. Any one case or any one issue that. See, the main issue is cooperation from people. If you ask me today, uh, see, we have a system that is set. We have a helpline where people can call. Uh -huh. We have a system where moment we get to know somebody is positive, we call them. Mm -hmm. Within the next few hours, they get a call from us. Mm -hmm. uh, when they get a call, uh, all we need them to do is three things, right? Give their address properly. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us their medical condition and comorbid conditions. Third is accept to what suggestions we give. Mm -hmm. We don't say that blindly follow it. We give mm -hmm. them an explanation. One of our doctors talk to them. Mm -hmm. They need to understand and accept to as to what suggestion is being given and why it is being given. Mm -hmm. Because when our doctors give a suggestion saying, uh, sir, you need to get shifted to a hospital. Uh, yeah. We don't say it based on intuition. We have seen cases, our doctors who sit on the shift here have experience handling hundreds of COVID cases itself. Mm -hmm. So they know what kind of comorbid conditions with present medical symptoms will lead to what kind of emergency. Mm -hmm. So based on that experience, they give a suggestion saying you need to get shifted to a hospital or a CCC mm -hmm. or this is the further course of action. Mm -hmm. uh, I do understand there is some kind of a, you know, uh, resistance or, you know, people would be anxious to understand what's happening. but in spite of explaining and then you know mm -hmm. establishing to them establishing to them that we will take care of you they mm -hmm. if when they still don't agree to it mm -hmm. uh, at that point we are in a fix yeah. See, we can't force a person out of the house yeah to come to a hospital mm -hmm. but if the person does not come we know that this person is going to get into trouble yeah yeah so it eats up a lot of our time you know sometimes it takes 30 40 50 minutes to convince one patient mm -hmm. to get into the ambulance and go to hospital mm -hmm. uh, that precious 30 40 minutes get, could be used for handling three other patients mm -hmm. but it gets wasted on one patient so three things that we need is give your address and contact number clearly mm -hmm. so that we can come and look at you mm -hmm. second is give your vitals properly when we call mm -hmm. saying this is your present medical conditions. Mm -hmm. A lot of time it happens so that when we call they say no no we are all fine and then the next morning or within 24 or 48 hours they call us back saying we have serious symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, coordinating a bed when things are fine is much easier than coordinating for a bed when things go out of the hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So cooperation from people is the biggest thing that we are looking forward to mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. We have also had this problem occasionally of people getting into a hospital not being happy with it, mm -hmm. or a CCC not being happy with it, and asking for a change from it. Mm -hmm. uh, what we've done is to actually go and see how things are. Mm -hmm. 
if before shifting people say we prefer to go to this hospital or that hospital, we accommodate them. We have no problem with mm -hmm. We check if there's a bed available, bed available, somebody wants to go to Sagar or Aster or uh, Victoria or wherever, mm -hmm. we send them there. Mm -hmm. Supposing we moved them mm -hmm. on their request or mm -hmm. because that's where the earliest bed was available mm -hmm. to hospital X. Mm -hmm. And then later they complain saying, oh, there's a rotten place, nobody's coming to take care of us, mm -hmm. shift us from here. Mm -hmm. Then we have a problem. Okay. See, because shifting a COVID positive patient who is critical, say somebody is on ICU or ventilator bed, mm -hmm. shifting that person from one hospital ventilator to another hospital ventilator is a challenging thing. Which yeah. might, essentially the biggest problem in that is putting the patient in danger. Mm -hmm. Because while shifting anything can happen, though yeah. we send an ALS ambulance and everything, it's still a huge risk that is being taken. Mm -hmm. So alternatively, you know, we have teams that will go to the hospitals if people say there is a serious issue, we go mm -hmm. to the hospital, we attend to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and also to an extent we also need to understand that it's a critical situation where even hospitals have shortage of manpower. Mm -hmm. uh, doctors above 50 are not coming to the hospital, they are not be yeah. being advised yeah. to come They're to the hospital. They are not being deployed in the uh, uh, You know, yeah, doctors and nurses. And then uh, the pre the staff that is there presently. The ward boys are not there. Ward boys no, are uh, I mean, intensive care huh. is called intensive care because it is personal intensive. Yeah. Monitoring intensive, personal intensive. Now, we can't have something like this with three beds and some ventilator and monitor and say this is your intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not care. Mm -hmm. And people fitting, people who work in intensive care units, yeah. day in and day out, they're on their feet all the time looking at this, changing things, intubating, extubating, yeah. oxygen, ventilator, shifting, exercising. So, even hospitals have to rotate their staff mm -hmm. in a way that people won't throw up their hand and say, okay, from tomorrow you're not mm -hmm. coming. Mm -hmm. So, uh, these are challenges. Also, people also need to understand that it's a critical point where uh, the question is of survival and yeah. not of comfort. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times, you know, basic things are fulfilled, but people expect comfort one step up. You know, we mm -hmm. have cases where uh, a person is admitted to a hospital, three days later, some other family member turns positive. Mm -hmm. They demand saying, send that person also to the same hospital, to the same ward. So that they might have company. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I can understand yeah, the, the anxiety they've got, they've got a good report of the hospital and yeah. they feel, yeah. Uh -huh. I can understand the anxiety, but it may not be possible sometimes because the beds are full or the person does not need that kind of a critical care. Somebody is in an HDU bed or an ICU bed. Mm -hmm. uh, the other family might, member might not need that kind of a care. Yeah, yeah. So we might advise home isolation or we might send the person to CCC. Mm -hmm. We do try our, our best to accommodate every single request, but sometimes when these requests cannot be fulfilled and we try to reason out, mm -hmm. uh, that cooperation is required from the end of yeah, the week. Yeah. See another thing is that when you said that you guys are active, like you guys respond, your social media is one of the... Yeah, yeah. on Twitter and... Uh, yeah, WhatsApp. you guys are very active on Twitter, I've seen that and yeah. and that, how about that team, where does they... So do? the Twitter team is completely voluntary driven. Okay. Now we are trying to streamline it. Mm -hmm. So there are uh, four or five people who sit at home and work. So mm -hmm. most of the resolution happens through WhatsApp groups. So yeah. query comes on Twitter, they pick up the query from there, mm -hmm. they respond saying we'll get back to them, they put it on the WhatsApp group. Mm -hmm. Our agent sitting here, whoever is a concerned person, if it's a hospital bed booking, then the bed booking person will see. If it's a billing grievance, that person will be connected. Mm -hmm. So based on the grievance, it will be connected to the particular team here. Mm -hmm. They resolve it and then we update it back. Okay. So okay. the immediate response happens through the volunteers uh -huh. who are handling our uh, Twitter account, sitting in various in, in their homes basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are working one o'clock, three o'clock. You see the posts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Early morning, late night, any time. Uh, again, because these are people who 
come with a passion for volunteering. Yeah. Without them, we would be lost. Yeah. Totally. Be completely lost. That's true. That's true. And another thing is that, uh, see, th- this is a question to both of you. Like, it's a bit of personal question. What, what do your family think that since you're volunteering, volunteering here, like, what do what do they have to say about that? Because I I know because a lot many people that I have spoken to, uh, their families are always worried that okay you're always out and etc etc. Well, I can speak for myself and say they're not happy <laughs> <laughs> because I fall into the vulnerable category even otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the advisory is don't move out of the house. Mm-hmm. So I sort of uh, I work around it mm-hmm. by coming here for a few hours mm-hmm. at a time when activity is maximum mm-hmm. and when I can meet all the people I need to meet to find out what's going on and do whatever. And then we have our brainstorming sessions, strategy and other things mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. As far as possible, I try not to step in there. Okay. Because uh, that's a, you see, it's a, it's a crowded area. Population yeah. dense place. Mm-hmm. And much as we might tell people masks and distancing and all that, uh, it's difficult to get them to adhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I get around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is Zoro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he'll go anywhere. <laughs> My family, there's no resistance as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, both my parents come from a social background, so they've been running NGOs for mm-hmm. disabled kids. My dad has had a lot of many disaster operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been working, uh, you know, this, from the time I remember, you know, the first disaster I remember working with him was 2004 tsunami. Mm-hmm. From that time I've seen tsunami and then earthquakes and everything. He has handled a lot of disasters, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's no resistance as such in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I've been working since March on this and pretty much fine, no problem. And, and what are the changes that you see in this unlocking processes like, you know, have oh, changes as in? As in like uh, your working styles and the development of strategy and basically so what I'm saying. Volumes uh, have increased. Volumes have increased, yeah. One is volumes have increased. Second is... Uh, Was it easier during the lockdown? I'm not sure. See, uh, I was working on the other side, I was not here, I was working on the uh, telegram group, huh. uh, the Sahaya task force. Huh. It was easier <laughs> because people obeyed. Yeah, yeah. Now it is difficult because people feel everything is free, why are we being restrained? Mm-hmm. For one thing. At that time, a major worry was the migrants. Mm-hmm. It was migrants food mm. and among migrants we had a lot of trouble, uh, I would say trouble, we had a lot of challenges because people were pregnant, had to deliver, they didn't know where to go, hospitals mm. weren't taking maternity cases, mm. they had to work around. But the area in which we were working mm. was more or less limited. Mm-hmm. This was our priority, we had to answer questions, we used to get around 15,000 questions a day on the Telegram channel, mm-hmm. right? And uh, this sort of data. But now the challenge is, we are actually seeing sick people, people who are positive, uh-huh. people who are unwell. Uh-huh. So when they call us, we know there is a call for action. Mm-hmm. It is a call to action, it is not reassurance, it is not read this government circular, no you need a e-pass, no you can't mm-hmm. move out, yes malls will be shut, mm-hmm. no you can't go out. Uh, Do you get those calls, like malls are sh- no, not anymore. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, no, I'm saying that is what used to happen. Uh-huh. Those were easy to answer. Uh-huh. But finding a bed is a different ballgame altogether. The other thing that we face in uh, all these industrial units is all these workers have come back. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. So, 
when they've come back, they've clustered, hmm. and the government's policy has been to encourage industries to run full shifts and so on. Hmm. Though they have circulars about how they should run and distancing and all that. Mm. It doesn't work. If you have a production line, it's all right. But most of the MSMEs don't work on production lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they have clusters there. Mm -hmm. They've already had losses. Mm -hmm. So providing sanitizers and masks and different areas for food. You know, it's not such an easy thing. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing challenges in these clusters. Mm -hmm. uh, ditto with government units. Mm -hmm. Because they're all coming back now. See, the second thing that I see is people have lost seriousness, basically. They think uh, that's true. Yeah. It's a disease, it comes yeah. and goes. Yeah. Uh, what they're not understanding is, if it comes to a person who has comorbid condition, who's aged, who has some serious illness, mm -hmm. uh, and if they ignore, mm -hmm. there is no return from that. Mm -hmm. Only families that are hit by it, or you know, if anybody has a friend or a close person who's affected by it, mm -hmm. who is deceased mm -hmm. or who's on ventilator for 20 days, only they understand that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, a lot of people feel, okay, this is not a serious disease. It's kind of, you know, that uh, though we have all kinds of awareness campaigns and everything, mm -hmm. they kind of feel, okay, this is also one more flu, which they don't understand. It's not one more flu. Yeah. like riding without a helmet. Exactly. How yeah. much you tell people? You know, they feel it happens to others, not to us. Mm -hmm. and That's a very Indian psyche. Yeah, yeah, it's a very Indian psyche. And the second thing, you know, is this. People go on social media and say, Oh, now I'm alright. Uh, I had no problem. Don't worry too much about it. Other Baba, you got alright. Mm -hmm. But the other person might not be so lucky. See, yesterday we lost a 23-year-old. Two doctors, 25 and 32, have died. Mm -hmm. So it's not that, uh, you know, if you're 23 or 25, you don't get it to yourself. Mm -hmm. This is like a Russian ruling. You don't know who's, who's going to hit. Yeah. yeah. Next. Yeah. Uh, solution for that is, all of us take precautions. Yeah. Take as few risks as possible. You understand you have to work, you have to make a livelihood. You have to send people to school or college or whatever. Mm -hmm. But take these basic precautions, which they don't. Second thing is, especially in uh, slums, areas of minorities, there's mm -hmm. lot of still a lot of resistance. Yeah. Say, for example, in Mangaman Palya ward, uh, which is uh, which has a high population of minorities. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know for what reason, but mm -hmm. there is a very unholy resistance to any yes. kind of intervention from the government side. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, whether for testing or survey or whatever it is, mm -hmm. moment we try to go in. They just get back to us saying, just don't come here, we'll take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, what they don't understand is, once there's a cluster outbreak and things go out of hand, mm -hmm. uh, there is going to be a serious problem. Yeah. It, it's a point of no return. Yeah. They don't understand that. Early mm -hmm. intervention is required. We are also trying to do everything that is possible, you know, employing people from minority communities to attend to that case, mm -hmm. opening fever boost. But I feel, you know, somewhere, even the influencers in the community, influencers in slums, influencers mm. in these highly densely populated areas, mm. say for example in uh, masjids mm. or the associations in slums, mm. they need to come forward and start educating their people yeah. because they are the ones who can communicate with them. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, in Anjanapura, we have started it recently. Mm -hmm. uh, when the Azan is called, mm -hmm. uh, they are giving precautions for COVID and they are also encouraging people for testing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, we had a meeting with all the masjids there. Mm -hmm. So, in Anjanapura, we have started doing that. Okay. We want more of this to happen in uh, you know many, many other areas yes. also. So that uh, we can address it because... Uh, See, the thing is, I have seen that there is a lot of fake news going on. Yes. And it spreads like a wildfire on WhatsApp. See, because I fake news, second yeah. is fake faith. You know, 
saying that nothing will happen to me. Yeah. If something happens to me, it's taken care of. Yeah. That kind of a attitude will not work for this disease or something. Yeah, yeah. Because fake news causes a lot of damage. Yeah. Because people, it's instant gratification to know nothing will happen. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than to worry about what can happen. Hmm. Hmm. So. Uh, because I have spoken to few people, I think you will laugh at this, saying uh, there was one fake news going on that COVID-19 uh, is not a virus but a bacteria. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, is like it started with the uh, US. Yeah, I mean... Absolute rubbish. You know, and it's very difficult uh -huh. for us to break any of this because it doesn't come to us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, uh, if you're writing a report, mm -hmm. you're filing something, mm -hmm. You cross-check with us yeah. and you say, okay, this is what's going in. I hope what you, whatever you said is okay mm -hmm. or is there any error in this, mm -hmm. right? You know what's happening when you can post anything. You don't need to check anything. Exactly. And that disclaimer, forward it as received. Idiots. Exactly, yeah. One idiot puts it, a thousand idiots have forwarded it because somebody sent it to them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we are shifting focus or concentrating now on local opinion makers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, for example, the Maldives in temples, the priests and churches. The local dadas, mm -hmm. you know, every area has them. Mm -hmm. so we are trying to engage with them, the cooperators and the local mm -hmm. political leaders, mm -hmm. and we are trying to get them and say, yeah. okay, when you come and help us, you talk to your people. Yeah. Uh, one initiative we've started just last week, which we hope will take off, mm. is something called uh, COVID conversations mm. on Zoom. Mm. So uh, every Saturday and Sunday, mm. on Saturdays with people residing in residence, mm. uh, in apartments through the Bangalore Apartment Federation and the local RWS, mm. we are on Zoom, mm -hmm. three or four of us mm -hmm. who can answer the questions, and we welcome them to ask whatever they want. On Sundays, we hope to address civic society. Mm -hmm. So, for this, we are polling all these local opinion makers and things mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. saying if you have questions or your people have questions, mm -hmm. bring them all mm -hmm. to whichever place, we are on Zoom, mm -hmm. face to face, mm -hmm. we can answer those questions. Yeah. Hoping that a face to face conversation will be better than something given as a handout or a pamphlet or something. Oh, okay. So each one of those helps. Mm -hmm. But for example, many people might not be able to ask uh, mm -hmm. questions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, by way of conversation or respond to pamphlets yeah. with questions. Yeah. All in all, we've had to scale up repeatedly, mm -hmm. both vertically and laterally, yeah. to accommodate the kind of challenges that come in. Exactly. Even we didn't think all this would happen when we started big screens and stuff is one part right the second part is uh, one is the individual challenge that you said mm -hmm. second is getting the right manpower to come and work here is also another challenge mm -hmm. uh, you know we don't have that uh, whole luxury of having an hr team mm -hmm. interview the person see his credentials see his work background mm -hmm. then onboard him train him and then put him on the job after 15 days mm -hmm. this entire uh, command center that you're seeing right now was set up in less than 24 hours mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. we were told that we need to come and pitch in and start working and within mm -hmm. 24 hours we had to pull in 40 people from different call centers and other places where they were working contact hr managers put mm -hmm. them in train them mm -hmm. so not every single person here is in the same level mm -hmm. so each person has a different level of understanding mm -hmm. and you know uh, the mm -hmm. Challenges are different. Different, yeah. So we need to keep training our staff also, we need to keep improving them. Mm -hmm. 
So it's basically, you know, I keep telling this, we are handling a disaster and not um, maintaining an enterprise. Exactly. Maintaining yeah. an enterprise, you know, you can have 100% streamlined SOPs processes because you know what your enterprise will be doing. You, yeah. you have a set of things that your enterprise will does. This is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. And you never go out of the ambit. If it's out of the ambit, you say, thank you, we are not into this. Mm-hmm. Our business is restricted. Mm-hmm. But here, that's not the case. Every day, you know, uh, end of the day, I feel, okay, we have solved all the challenges today. Why in, in the next one hour, we get a new challenge that pops up saying, mm-hmm. this has happened, what to do now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sometimes it's an issue with the hospital, sometimes issue with a patient, sometimes, you know, uh, I'll tell you, at night, one o'clock, I get a call saying, uh, there's a patient who's in the fourth floor, Uh, patient is paralytic, Mm -hmm. uh, COVID positive, Mm -hmm. saturation is low, Mm -hmm. Uh, the stairs are very small, Mm -hmm. you can't take a stretcher up, Mm -hmm. and you can't have more people to, you know, you can't have seven or eight people to lift. The patient was a little bulky. Now, how do we shift the patient down from fourth floor in a, you know, congested stairs? Mm-hmm. Uh, patient is paralytic. It's it's a new challenge that gets posed every day and you need immediate solutions for everything. Yeah. So, in this kind of a situation, only thing that works is, one is a team spirit, second is, uh, the question is of making sure that the work happens immediately and not a, not the most ideal thing. Yeah. You know, many people sitting outside, they feel that, oh, this could have been done better. But at that point of time, you At that you point in yeah. time, with the resource available, yeah. uh, with the emergency that is there, whatever best could have been done, would have been done. Yeah. But when you look at it a day later or read it in a newspaper, you know, people might say that, oh, this could have been done in a much different way. Mm-hmm. But at that point in time, I don't have any resources. You know, yeah. this patient, we had to put them on a bed sheet Two, we put two bed sheets below it, put them on a bed sheet. Mm-hmm. And Three then people, one, two near the head and one near the leg. We lifted through a bed sheet and we got the person down. Mm-hmm. There could have been better ways where yeah. you we took a small stretcher, strapped the person, and then you know because we could have used other. Key. You know, one person lets go of the bed sheet. So yeah. we had this. You know, we run these mock drills in hospitals. Okay. Right for fire evacuation, uh-huh. disaster, and all that. Uh-huh. It actually happened with one of, uh, we don't take patients, we usually deploy our own staff members mm-hmm. and tell them their role, you know, patient mm-hmm. lying in a stretcher going down. Everybody was so enthusiastic that the fellows who were going <laughs> down, the fellows in front started running, the fellows behind couldn't keep pace. So this guy simply fell off the stretcher and hurt himself. So, you know, uh-huh. we are creating a second emergency which is completely avoidable Good. for which the escalation is much higher. Yeah. Here it was a question of moving to hospital. Now you have to think, is it a head injury? Which hospital can they afford it? Can we find the money? Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. It is. True. See, it's basically essentially while handling emergency question is of survival. Mm-hmm. It's a new day every day. There's nothing called as, okay, today I've set everything right from tomorrow. It's going to run fine. No, but talking about the smiles and uh, what about the feedback that you've got? Like? You would have seen that on Twitter. Yeah, you would you would have seen a lot yeah, of yeah, feedback. Because even what we get on WhatsApp or otherwise, mm-hmm. we put it on our Twitter feed mm-hmm. so the public gets to see yeah. that uh, things are all right. Yeah. Like this uh, one video which came yesterday, I don't know whether it's gone on Twitter yet or not. The lady who recovered is virtually in tears. Uh-huh. She says, I mean, I never thought something could end so well. Wow. See, yeah. oh, moment we attend that initial anxiety, right, then uh-huh. we have a connect with the patient. Uh-huh. So then it's smooth. Yeah. Once we have a connect, once we start attending, that that <coughs> basic reassurance is required. Saying there is somebody who will attend to your advice. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, say imagine you or me in a situation where we don't know what the government setup is. Mm-hmm. So we don't know that there is this team of people who are sitting and ready to help. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we are in a situation where we become positive or a family member turns positive mm-hmm. we are essentially clueless at that moment mm-hmm. so one communication from our side is also required for which we need media help is also that mm-hmm. people are there to attend don't worry that that is the first message that we want to give out to the people we are we here to be assured like yeah be assured no matter what the issue is we will attend to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of challenge you are in mm-hmm. we will try our best to get you out of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that is one message that people need to you know get into their head so that that level of anxiety comes down and we can attend to it because once people are anxious right convincing them to do anything is very difficult mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know they'll be very <coughs> they'll be in high anger the mm. tempers will be high a um, lot of issues yeah. but yeah. once that thing kind of say with pride i think is we've always provided an end to end solution yeah, never left anybody hanging in the middle mm. to find for themselves mm-hmm. yes it's been a struggle we've had to uh, sometimes we've had to cross boundaries mm-hmm. to get things done but we've managed yeah. it uh, so that is our source of satisfaction mm-hmm. that Whatever the problem, there is an intuitive solution we provided. Will we be able to do this forever? Time alone will tell. Yeah. But right yeah. now we manage that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any final comments? Like, ah, uh, no. I guess we have covered most of the things. The only thing that we require support is two things. One is awareness that mm. there is a helpline like like this which can be contacted. Mm-hmm. Second is cooperation from people. If mm-hmm. you know, people can themselves spread a word about that mm-hmm. between their colleagues. or friend saying this kind of a setup is available and then you know it it will reach you within a few hours mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that would be the most helpful thing for us yeah, so yeah. it will smooth out a lot of things for us yeah we have a helpline we yeah. have a twitter feed mm-hmm. uh, we have a telegram presence a telegram group mm-hmm. and we have a website website mm-hmm. and uh, they can contact us on whatsapp also on whatsapp same. also so any of these media mm-hmm. they can uh, get on to mm-hmm. and will be attended mm-hmm. irrespective of which platform they used to come to us mm-hmm. so i'm now joined with the hospital management team of uh, the bomanali command center dr narayan is with us who heads the uh, team so what are the challenges that you've been facing during the entire process please if you can explain that i mean the main challenge in this scenario is shortage of beds uh, everywhere uh initially we had shortage of I mean, covid care center beds mm-hmm. now it is taken care of we have excess of uh, ccc beds as of now mm-hmm. and uh, people are uh, i mean want to be in the home isolation uh, mm-hmm. that is their first choice but there is a red herring to this mm-hmm. people are now getting trying to getting into the hospitals when they are serious mm-hmm. when their saturation comes down and they have breathlessness mm-hmm. so obviously now the challenge is to arrange the hdu beds what we call mm-hmm. that is called as high dependent high dependent unit beds mm-hmm. and icu and ventilators icu ventilator i mean they are in, they are in short supply even in normal times mm-hmm. so when there is huge surge of demands uh, demand for this bed we are having a, i mean not only shortage it's a crisis mm-hmm. we are having a crisis yeah. so i would request uh, the public uh, to be vigilant mm-hmm. be careful mm-hmm. be diligent mm-hmm. and get into the hospital or to their family physician or to the nearest hospital mm-hmm. when they have i mean initial symptoms itself mm-hmm. and not to wait for the i mean acute or extreme breathlessness okay there is one challenge mm-hmm. and of course there is a little lack of uh, overseeing of the hospitals mm-hmm. so the billing uh, is a huge challenge 
people get into some hospital think they can manage with their resources financial mm-hmm. resources then after four five days they are i mean they have exhausted their finance resources mm-hmm. then they will come uh, come to us it's very challenging because the hospital argue that they have actually uh, sent uh, spent their resources mm-hmm. on treating this patient mm-hmm. and the i mean patients does not have any resources mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. then we actually what we do is we convert them into government Mm-hmm. Uh, government or SAST, Swarna Aragya Suraksha Trust beds, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we try to salvage the situation mm-hmm. and give relief both for the hospital and the patients. Patient also. Okay. So, so in, in these cases, right, have you faced any challenges where people have already gone? And can you take us one example of that? Like, uh, what, uh, how, how did you manage to convince the hospital to change the status of the bed to the SATS? I mean, it uh, happens day in and day out huh? with mm-hmm. St. John's hospitals and many hospitals. Mm-hmm. Two days before, we had a case of uh, Seva Kshetra Hospital, mm-hmm. where the hospital hospital was demanding about, uh, I mean, 50,000 to discharge the patient. Mm-hmm. Then we intervened, uh, intervened and mm-hmm. we actually, I mean, uh, uh, look at the, we had a look at the bills mm-hmm. and then convinced the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, to discharge the patient without mm-hmm. paying anything. Okay. I mean, this is our routine every day. Yeah. Uh, because of the uh, not fixed charges and the lack of overseeing mechanism. Yeah. Uh, in the normal overseeing mechanism, uh-huh. we have these challenges yeah. where patient complains of overcharging by mm-hmm. the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Okay. My colleague Dinesh and uh, Gauri will be looking it to into every day. Uh, yeah. I would like uh, uh, Dinesh to give few examples uh, about these billing issues. So, uh, for example, yesterday we had a particular billing issue wherein uh, there was one patient, uh, Mrs. Lee. Uh, see, most most people are uh, ignorant about the. Uh, a billing issue, a billing procedure itself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so for mm-hmm. some, it is uh, the first time they are going to the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and SAST and everything is a very current, um, you know, information. Mm-hmm. So the problem starts from there. Mm-hmm. They are not aware of the fact that um, they they can avail such privileges, and even if they are aware of these privileges, uh, there are a lot of um, a lot of grey areas which they, they are not aware of. Mm-hmm. So this is where the problem arises. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the hospital, the patient wanted to shift hospitals. Yeah. There is a mechanism which we have uh, put in place where they can shift hospitals yet avail the um, SAST procedures. Mm-hmm. Here, what happened while they were shifting the hospital, they were not able to get another bed mm-hmm. and they hence had to continue in the same hospital. Yeah. So. Uh, once in the portal they have been uh, marked as discharged, mm-hmm. they will not be able to avail the benefits of um, SAST thereafter. Okay. So in this case, we had to uh, speak with the SAST team, we had to coordinate with the hospital, mm-hmm. we had to convince the hospital that this is possible mm-hmm. and talk to the uh, family. The family uh, suddenly has to uh, cough up uh, thousands of rupees. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not expecting to pay anything yeah. and suddenly they are uh, shown a bill of, uh, you know, close to half a lakh to one lakh, even sometimes uh, Four five lakhs we have seen these bills, yeah. and uh, this is when uh, our intervention is very very critical and uh, timely intervention. Okay. There are many times that uh, people are waiting for discharge, mm-hmm. and if the bills are not cleared, they will have to wait for an, hold uh, another day. And that's and this is very traumatic. Right yeah. Very traumatic for the patient and the family. Yeah. Especially in a case where the patient cannot visit. Um, sorry, the patient is not allowed uh, any visitors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, in these cases, our intervention has to be very quick and uh, timely. 
Okay. And uh, all these uh, rules and regulations, even though they are quite simple, mm -hmm. it has to be very clearly uh, explained to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And we have to have clear coordination with uh, three teams, the staff's team and the uh, hospital mm -hmm. and the patients themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we take a very objective approach. Mm -hmm. We do not go with the thing that, okay, hospital only are at fault or uh, patients mm -hmm. are only at fault. Mm -hmm. uh, so we first uh, take in all the case details mm -hmm. and then we uh, take in, uh, you know, we study the case. Thereafter, we uh, go about uh, you know resolving the issue. Yeah. So that's how uh, we go about it. So how long does it take to resolve the entire? I think because the way you explained to me, I suppose it is it runs into hours. Uh, so yes. So uh, certain issues, um, like for example, if it's technical issue, it's uh -huh. quite uh, simple. Uh, we have a very good uh, rapport with the SST team, mm -hmm. and then uh, the technical issues are resolved very easily. Mm -hmm. It is when uh, it comes to a lack of understanding of the rules mm -hmm. and then we have to have multiple coordinations because the decision making authority in the hospital, mm -hmm. uh, most of the hospitals are uh, either trusts or there is not one head. Okay. Right? So, and then we have to coordinate with the hospitals and convince them that uh, they will be reimbursed mm -hmm. and uh, at the same time we also have to, uh, you know, uh, we will keep getting calls from the uh, patient's uh, family mm -hmm. because uh, the patient's family will be uh, a little um, nervous, yeah. right? So they will also keep uh, calling you. Uh, it takes a few hours and some issues uh, will have to wait for a day or two. Mm -hmm. Yes, so maximum is uh, a day or two. Okay. That is, uh, we, uh, but most cases we resolve it within the same day. Same day. See another thing is that you are directly dealing with the patients. So in that case what happens is a lot of time uh, from the other side, mm -hmm. you know, they, are, they don't control their emotions and it always leads to an angry response. So how do you deal with that? Yes, uh, I mean we deal with raw emotions every day. Getting into your hospital in these times itself is a trauma mm -hmm. to everybody. I mean everybody concerned, the patient and the family persons. Mm -hmm. I mean this is a very peculiar situation this COVID where the I mean family members are not allowed mm -hmm. uh, I mean uh, inside the hospital because of the threat of infection or the threat, I mean, threat of uh, contagious disease. We had very I mean bizarre cases where uh, because the family should I mean could not go to the hospital family had given the debit card credit card and the ATM pin to the hospital. Oh, uh, I mean uh, these are real story I am thinking. Uh -huh. uh, so I would request people, huh, I mean, to get, I mean, be in control of the situation mm -hmm. and uh, don't lose their precious resources. Mm -hmm. See, uh, what I can suggest uh, as an authority here is, we have a helpline, it is which is barred 24 bar 7. Mm -hmm. I can give out the number, it is 888-4-666-70. If you have any billing issues, discharge issues, treatment issues, Please get in touch with us. Huh? Mm -hmm. We will do. I mean, uh, we will do the best huh, in the situation. Apart from this, what we are doing proactively to bring down these hassles, these pain points to the public is, mm -hmm. we are ranking the hospitals. Okay. Huh? Regarding the, I mean, quality of treatment, quality of care, cleanliness, food discharge issues. I mean, admission procedure, discharge procedure, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, how the death is handled. Mm -hmm. huh? Okay. We will be coming out shortly with the findings of the ranking of the hospitals, mm -hmm. most probably today or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Then we have a very robust grievance handling mechanism where we track each and every grievance to its logical end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then, I mean, as I told the helpline, huh, I would uh, like the people, I mean, public 
to approach our helpline another thing i want to uh, uh, tell the i mean public of our zone is i mean this is a very difficult and peculiar situation what we are going through please i mean approach in case of treatment or anything please approach a person you know mm-hmm. please approach a family physician who will guide you to the right hospital mm-hmm. where you will get the i mean required quality of care and uh, at an affordable rate mm-hmm. don't be fancied by the big hospitals or the corporate hospitals and don't aspire mm-hmm. that the treatment is only available there mm-hmm. this is not the situation mm-hmm. this is my uh, bit of uh, advice or the message uh, i would like to give so another thing is that uh, a lot many people who have gone to you know corporate hospitals paid heavy bills have they come back to you and say that okay we want reimbursement or something like that Have you um, had such cases? As I told you, there are bizarre cases where a person has uh, paid uh, through his insurance huh. and he wanted the reimbursement from the hospital in cash. So better be careful than uh, uh, I mean uh, uh, regretting uh, uh, afterwards. Uh, as I told you, uh, you go through your family physician. If you don't have a family physician, please the first thing uh, when you hear you are positive, please contact our helpline at least. Uh, for the bombardi zone dbmp bombardi zone please contact our helpline we will do the needful we will handhold you mm-hmm. uh, throughout your admission process mm-hmm. i mean people who have come to us earlier uh, when on the same day when they have become positive have seen some i mean magic cases where they are cured in 4 days mm-hmm. without any hassles of billing payment uh, yeah etc yeah. so i mean the only thing you should do is get in touch with us huh? yeah. we are i mean government although uh, although it's a i mean government run mechanism we are running it very professionally mm-hmm. with all the i mean sops with all the guidelines with the support of all the people many ngo are involved in this mm-hmm. azim premji foundation uh, we have a what army of volunteers <coughs> huh? i mean hats off to them we have army of volunteers students professionals who are working pro bono for us so please get in touch this is my huh, message yeah. please get in touch with us huh? we will take care of you everything in the government our chief minister our uh, suresh kumar minister who is the concerned minister for this zone and uh, our zonal chief coordinator mr manivandan have put in place all the required mechanism mm-hmm. even police are helping us a lot councillors huh, are helping us a lot mm-hmm. so this is special special situation and uh, we have lot of learnings from this situation mm-hmm. i am happy to be part of this but i mean one thing i would request i mean again and again is please get in touch with us we will see that you are safe you are cured and you are uh, not robbed of your valuable resources mm-hmm. at this time mm-hmm. thank you So we have a separate team which uh, handles the mortality management mm-hmm. for the Bamalhali zone. Mm-hmm. So in case of death at home or a hospital, mm-hmm. we make sure that all the protocols are followed, the documentations are set, and then the you know the body is released from the hospital as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in case it's in hospital, hospital, if the death happens at home, occurs at home, then we mm-hmm. make sure that we have seen the the primary health center goes over there, mm-hmm. checks whether it's a COVID positive or negative mm-hmm. uh, by doing a rat test. Mm-hmm. and then uh, we make sure that the documents documents are arranged and the first fan also and then it sent to the either the burial and the cremation sites mm-hmm. so it's a totally coordinated uh, 
thing wherein we uh, health inspectors are involved, PHC doctors are involved, mm -hmm. then we, uh, the hospital administration itself and our mortality management team mm -hmm. and the hearse van. Yeah. yeah. So you do uh, co health coordinate in the funeral yes. also. Yes. That is what I yes. get. Because I spoke to Mercy Angels, if you, if yes. you know them. So I've spoken to them and how they. Uh, so you hmm. once your process is done, that is where they come in and then. No, we have our own hearse fans okay. in Baman Hali zone. We okay. have four hearse fans, uh -huh. uh, which we coordinate for patients of our zone. Uh -huh. And in case any patient from other zone uh -huh. uh, dies in our zone hospitals, uh -huh. then we send our hearse fans. Okay. And we coordinate with the family. Yeah. Because so many I think they will not be aware of the protocols to be followed. Yeah. We tell them all the all that, and then we make sure that uh, the whole process is done as mm -hmm. soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, talking about the protocols, have you faced any resistance from anybody, like especially the funeral? I, that's what I. We've seen such cases that people have been asking people not to, you know, interfere with their uh, funeral rites and stuff like that. Uh, in this regard, I would like to bring to your notice a very, uh, very difficult and uh, different scenario. One person whose father and mother were affected by corona and they were admitted in a corporate hospital. Mm -hmm. okay? and then, unfortunately, the mother died. The father was yet to recover. He was also hospitalized, but yet to recover. He was not fully recovered. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the son of this couple uh, could not handle the situation. He had lots of emotional outbursts. How old was the boy? I mean, uh, this couple was about 60, 60 year old. Okay. This uh, son was about 30, 35 year old. Okay. 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 I mean, maybe the situation got the uh, worst of him. Then uh, he was demanding that his father be discharged right away. Mm -hmm. And the mother's body, he will take to his native place in Vellore. Mm -hmm. And he want to cremate it there. And uh, according to their rituals, mm -hmm. the father should do the last rites to the mother. Mm -hmm. So he was demanding that uh, father be discharged right away. Mm -hmm. The hospital authorities tried their best huh, to handle this situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there were a lot of things at stake here. Mm -hmm. One is the dead, I mean, corona dead body to be transported to Vellore. Mm -hmm. The protocol demanded that the DC of Vellore mm -hmm. place a request with us. Mm -hmm. That he will take the responsibility of this body, commission of this body in Vellore. Mm -hmm. The second, this father, he was not fully recovered. Mm -hmm. He was potentially infective case. Mm -hmm. He could spread the disease. Yeah. So under, I mean, this son, he was almost violent. He could not be restrained. Mm -hmm. he, he needed to be physically restrained. Mm -hmm. So the hospital head got in touch with me. I mean, I understood this was a potentially very explosive situation. Mm. which can I mean, lead to law and order problems and the loss of uh, lives also. Yeah. Huh? So then what we did is we assigned, we, um, I mean, we uh, got a very uh, seasoned I mean, counsellor. Mm. Huh? So I explained the situation to the counsellor mm. and she spoke to this son. Mm. Uh, she, I mean, it took almost one days, uh, one, one, 24 hours to calm this person out, mm -hmm. we reasoned and we explained to him. Then he, I mean, his only request was uh, that he be allowed uh, 10 minutes uh, with the body of his mother mm -hmm. and he will break the news to the father. Yeah. So we actually, uh, I mean, uh, trained him so well, calmed him so well that he handled the situation mm -hmm. and he cooperated with us for the, I mean, cremation. And uh, I mean, father was indeed I mean uh, given full treatment 
and he recovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is the most uh, difficult uh, situation to handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, uh, people demand uh, that they do the last rites cremation according to their own rituals. They are asking for what uh, burial instead of the what electric cremation. Mm-hmm. This there are challenges, but somehow I should say our community, our government, uh, our system is coping very well with this. And maybe uh, it will be there for another, uh, I mean, few days, few months. But we will get over all of these things, yeah. and we will come in with uh, flying colors. It was late afternoon that I bid them all goodbye. The background of the fight against COVID-19 is not an easy one. Dear listener, take precautions and stay safe. That's all in today's episode. Tune in this evening on a news update podcast from the newsroom to catch all the exciting developments of the day and to get the news while it's still budding. For latest news and updates, log on to www.deckenherald.com. Check out our e-paper at www.deckenheraldepaper.com. To read news on the go, sign up to our Telegram channel t.me/deckenheraldnews. Keep up with the news from your interested sphere by downloading the all-new Deckenherald app, in which you can personalize, have quick glance at news shots, check highlights, and even listen. too you can get it from google play store and apple app store and you can find the links to the same in the description